Hey, Nate, I'm back. What's happening? Oh, dude, some crazy move milker just tore through the casino at Canto Bite. So all their business is coming to us. We are making some serious money. But God, God it's freaking crowded in here. And where have you been? I thought you were fired or something. No, no, I wasn't fired. I've just been on vacation. Vacation? That yeah. long? Well, it was um, mandatory, no pay, one of those types, you know. Short-term firing. Well, that's just great, because we needed you here. Yeah, it appears that's the case, because, um, yeah, I, I don't even know where to start. We don't even have enough slot machines for all the people that are slot machining. Great. Gone, and you forgot all the terminology. You bumped your head again, didn't you? No, I'm just really hungover. <sighs> again. Enjoy your stay. I suggest a new strategy. You just really belong here with us, fucking club. Don't get excited. Welcome, scoundrels, to Cloud City Casino, your destination still for Star Wars and gaming. And I'd like to thank you for visiting our fabulous podcast in the clouds. I'm the administrator of this facility and your host, Michael Morse. And, of course, that other guy who is... Really more of the facilitator than I am these days, uh, Nathan P. Butler. Hey, hey, it's not so much that I facilitate it. Whoa, I lost you. Hello? Well, that was whoa what and now you're super super hot really well i don't know it's just like um, it's like a kind of thing to the background but as long know. as it's coming through fine on your end yeah everything's like actually i think everything's a little bit better now oh okay well let me say that again then hey everybody yeah i mean somebody's got to get us you know from transitioning from topic to topic and read the notes that you put together when you put them together? Yeah, today ain't one of those days. I've noticed. But at least <laughs> this time, we kind of already know what we want to talk about. Because right. there's some happenings that's been going on. And it's been a while since you've been available. Yeah, um, it's been kind of crazy. I thought, hey, the holidays are winding down. This is going to be great. But that was not the case. I've been super freaking busy. And... Uh, I've I've actually, you know, just had stuff coming up and, and then like, it's one of those things where you're so busy and people are like, what have you been doing? And you're just like, ah, they're like, okay, it's been, it's been one of them. It's been one of those. That's what my day has been. So we are in great shape, but at least this will give us a nice escape to talk a bit about some uh, Star Wars in gaming as we talk about Star Wars and gaming. So where do we want to start? I mean, I know we got a lot to cover, and we don't want to 
meander too far. So where do you want to start this one? We've got uh, some feedback. We've got some Battlefront 2 stuff to cover. We've got a little bit of La uh, Last Jedi we might want to cover. And we have the end of one of Fantasy Flight Games' games to cover. So hit me. What do you want to start with? Uh, I guess let's go ahead and start with that feedback. Sweet. This one actually comes in from Mitchell Godfrey, and it's a little bit longer than what we're used to, which is fantastic because it gives us more to talk about. Um, so he says, hey, Michael and Nathan, I wanted to give my feedback on this highly controversial, for next to no reason in my opinion, but more on that later, game, talking about Battlefront 2. Obviously, I love Star Wars, but I did not buy or play the first Battlefront new era game because it didn't have a story mode. My gaming is very limited, almost exclusively Assassin's Creed, because I like story-based games. When I learned that the first game didn't have a story, I had no interest in purchasing the game. As soon as they announced the campaign for this game, EA had my money. I also have read all the young adult and adult novels, including Battlefront II Inferno Squad. Going into the game, I was actually concerned, it's a strong word, but the best that I could find, about having to play from the Imperial point of view for the entire game, which it was marketed as, like Nathan said. I had this concern because I am a rebels equals good guys and empire equals bad guys slash evil type of person. Del Miko may not be an inherently evil person, but when he helps in butchering the partisans in the book, he's doing evil because he is on the wrong side. In Inferno Squad and the beginning of this campaign, yes, I'm playing as Aiden and killing rebels, but my teeth are clenched and an eye is closed while doing it. Stories from the Imperial perspective are fine and needed to create a more realistic universe. But if an Imperial is the protagonist, I'm hoping for their death, even though I know it won't happen. That is how I approach Star Wars. With that background out of the way, I loved the campaign and can't wait to get more of it in DLC down the road. I didn't see any jumps that came out of nowhere that I couldn't fill in the explanation pretty easily myself. For example, I do think Aiden was criticizing the people, not the Empire as a whole, at the beginning. Aiden truly believed the Empire was a net good for the majority of people until that Empire turned on their own on Vardos. When she realized this, she couldn't slowly back away but was forced to start firing on fellow troopers to save her own life. The one thing that surprised me, but I can make sense of, was Admiral Versio realizing what the Empire had become and admitting the failure. I think the realization of what the Empire was from the Rebel point of view led them to fairly easily transition to Rebels themselves. Lastly, on campaign plot holes, come on, Michael. Dell had been thinking about that kiss with Aiden for about five standard years before it finally happened. Have you seen Janita Gavankar? That's a very beautiful lady. On a more serious note, I think they were just really good friends from the events of Inferno Squad until the start of the game. When they leave the Empire, they became really good friends who are all each other really has, followed by growing closer and ending in some adrenaline and hormones at the Battle of Jakku. I think some of the holes in the story leave great chances for DLC slash comic slash novel plugs, which is both smart and exciting to me. For example, does a player have to know how Hask survived the Battle of Jakku? I don't think so, but I would love that comic one-shot that could tell us. I sure hope we get a Project Resurrection book, etc. Lastly, the controversy to me is ridiculous. I'm someone who does buy the season pass for games I love because I want all the content, but I don't do microtransactions. I'm willing to slave my way through to get a better blaster or thermal detonator. However, if someone wants to drop $2,000 to buy 150 trooper crates so they have all the equipment right away, who am I to say EA shouldn't offer that? As long as them kicking my ass in the multiplayer doesn't mean I can't ever get any upgrades, then that's fine. 
and that is the case with credits being awarded based on playtime, not quality of play. If you just want to spend your $60, then fine. But don't complain because someone else is willing to spend more for a variety of understandable reasons, lack of time being the most reasonable. Overall, I love the game and I'm very happy with EA. Feel free to take snippets of these thoughts. I'm prone to being long-winded, especially on Star Wars. I would also like to apologize to Nathan because I'm sure there are incredible amounts of grammatical errors in this email due to my terrible writing. Keep up the great work. Sign Chuck Wendig. I was about to make that joke myself. Got him. <laughs> but no, this wasn't sentence fragments. So we I know. I know. I just thought you you would enjoy that. Uh, Chuck Wendig, if, if you're listening wait, wait, to hang this. On, hang on, I'm hang on. I'm going to sit back so it doesn't spike the microphone. But uh... <laughs> your slow uh, clap for the day. I, I knew you would enjoy that. I uh, Like I said, I don't necessarily feel that way, but uh, I, I thought you would enjoy it. But of course, or should I say, that was good. A nice joke. <laughs> so, all right, lot to uh, unpack in that email. Um, I I think uh, what's a uh, Elo or what's the what's the name of that little droid that she has? You know what I'm talking about? Does it have a name? It does, um, because they were talking about it in the uh, the new um, the new content that came out, you know, the new story content, and they referred to it. But anyhow, I, I heard that there was going to be a comic about how it got its paint job. No, I'm, I'm messing around. You lie, you <laughs> lie, you lie. You're just you're just still sore because the old uh, we're going to have a comic book to explain the red arm thing, and then the comic turned out to be crap and delayed and delayed and delayed thing. Um, I think that he raises a good point here, which is essentially that not all fans are going to look at this the same way. Right. Um, not all fans are going to make the financial decisions the same way. So as long as something isn't isn't going to keep you from progressing, his argument would be that if somebody wants to pay to speed up, that's fine. Even if it means progression, at least that's what it sounds like. Um, as long as we are still able to progress, if we want to progress at a slower pace, fine. Somebody wants to progress at a faster pace by paying a lot more money. Fine. The progression path is still there for everyone. It's just a question of whether you're planning to put in the time or the money, which is a personal call to make. And, uh, I, I know that there's a balance issue related to that. Um, but it's hard for me to argue against that. Uh, to a large degree, because in in essence, that's the way the entire philosophy is of the the program that I work with with education, which is basically not everybody necessarily learns at the same rate. So you meet people where they are and varying paces are fine as long as everybody gets where they need to be in the end. And that's kind of what you see here. Granted, I would argue that school isn't really designed to be competitive, except until you get to like college entrances and stuff like that. Um but, but I can see where he's coming from with that, that basically, you know, no skin off my back if they want to do that. And, yeah. hey, it's a way for them to be able to actually, you know, fund the game. Uh, first thing I want to say, what if schools actually were competitive like Thunderdome? That'd be great. Um, I don't think you could do it quite like Thunderdome, there, though there is an argument for uh, competitive nature to drive certain individuals. But it wouldn't necessarily fit everybody. No, I want Thunderdome. You want Thunderdome? Yes. Um I'm sorry, after reading Phasma, that's all the Mad Max I can take for the next five years. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you, well, I guess you're a teacher, so you would have to 
think for it. But I wouldn't have to do anything. I'd, be, I'd be the one standing up there with a the microphone going, we don't need another hero. <laughs> or something. You're, you're only making me want this that much more. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyhow, uh, you know, the other thing too, which I, I think the main thing all comes down to um, the the amount, you know, I can't, I can't think of the exact word uh, for it, but um, the, the the main thing is that so long as it's not ridiculous, and and from my understanding, at one point it was ridiculous. Um, you know what what you'd have to go through to try to do some of these unlocks without paying anything. Um, I'm totally fine with it because the thing that you have to keep in mind anyway is you may go. You know, people say, "Oh, well, because I didn't spend the money." Well. I don't have the free time that, you know, some uh, kid who's in school, you know, that they're out for their winter break right now. And all they do is sit on, sit at home and play the game and can unlock all this stuff. I don't have the same free time that they have. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it, by that method, there's always going to be something about someone that's uh, going to allow them to unlock stuff that you haven't yet, whether it's... Anchor- I would say conversely to that, to your point, that kid also, unless they've got a job or they just have parents that are throwing good money after bad, wouldn't have the financial resources that you'd have if you wanted to speed things up. So there is, you have the time, you have the the financial resources, but not the time. He'd have the time and not the financial resources. You both have something going for you. It's just not the same thing. Sure. Although I will say, um, as of, I last checked uh, here recently just a couple days ago you still cannot make any in-game purchases so correct at least you know at the most in to some degree then i guess it's a more of a theoretical discussion but right right talking about microtransactions you can't talk about microtransactions that are in the game anymore so obviously he's talking about when they were in the game and obviously the philosophy and controversy i I get it i've I've not podcasted in a while it's my fault i apologize again (laughs) um (laughs) I, i get where you're going with this um, but yeah, it's, I think at this point, just because, I mean, it's not that late, but it's kind of late. I think we're past the point, um, for them to do these microtransactions anyway. So I think that window is, is come and gone. I, I cannot see them, uh, bringing that back at this point. Yeah, I doubt it. Unless it's entirely cosmetic, and even then, I think the ship may already have sailed on that. Right. Yeah. It's. I. I don't think it's worth it for them to you know spend however long it takes to turn it back on and worry about making sure everything's you know firing or whatever. No one. I don't. I don't think anyone's going to spend the money at this point. You know. Um, well, that's. I may ask, and this maybe is a a good transition into talking about the multiplayer of the game that was one of our big topics for this time. But I got to be honest, even if they brought it back and it was something that was interesting, I'm not sure that the audience is still there, not just willing to spend money, but period, because I'm finding very little drawing me back. The only reason I've gone back and played much of anything with battlefront two in a few weeks, except for the last Jedi content coming out. And that kept me sated for about a week was the fact that um, a, I was going to be live streaming and I enjoyed those conversations and B, I want my fact, you know, I want to get those daily challenges so that I can get some stuff and my faction can do well, even though I know that the Redditors have pretty much skewed it so far towards first order that 
the resistance is going to lose to the space Nazis or the space <laughs> neo-Nazis. So you, you um, chose, I, um, I'm, I meant to ask you about that. Yes, and... I chose, re- I chose resistance because maybe we need a little hero. No, <laughs> no, I realized like, like one word into that, that was bad. So we just crashed and burned, but, but that's, that's kind of the thing, you know, it's the game is getting these <clears> brief <throat> boosts of life by the D the uh, DLC content, like the season of the last Jedi thing that kicked off recently. Mm-hmm. But that seems to be fading even faster a lot of times than the paid DLC did with the original Battlefront. It's kind of like a flash in the pan. Up oh, here we are. Look, a couple new maps and look, a couple new heroes. You know, uh, uh, some some cool DLC campaign stuff, but that's over quickly, too. OK, now I'm back to not having a reason to turn the game on anymore, especially if I'm busy doing other things, especially if I've got other games I'm trying to get through. Um uh, so, yeah, even if they brought it back, I don't know that they'd be able to have enough people still in the player base who would overlook the controversy and would spend money on the microtransactions. So, yeah, in, in multiple ways, they may be past the point where it's a viable option anyway. Well, I mean, I will say where I, I – um, yeah, I, I don't – I think it's it's past being a viable option. It does seem like there's still a lot of people interested in it from what I'm seeing. Now, I mean, granted – um, you know, what do you call it? Not analytical data, but, um, anecdotal, anecdotal. That's the word. I knew it started with an A. Um, you know, that's, that's not very reliable, but in my, uh, fan friend groups or, or whatever, I'm seeing lots of people who are still talking about it. Uh, you know, since last Jedi, someone, uh, that myself included has really, really, uh, or, you know, that liked as far as a character was Tally. And there was a lot of people talking about how, you know, they've been trying to get Tally in the game. Um, you know, and that just came out of a discussion about that character. So it, it, Tally's easy to get in the game. She's one of the cheaper heroes to buy. She's on par with, uh, as I recall, she's on par with Aiden. And how can you like... Okay, may, this may be a whole separate discussion. It'll probably have to be a discussion at some point where we'll talk about the movie itself. But how can you be all stoked for Tally? Tally has like two lines in the entire film and does nothing except fly the... Fly. That's like saying, dude, I am such a huge, huge fan of Porkins. I am a huge fan of Porkins. Didn't you know this? Except at this point, it's because of the mythology that's built over Porkins over the years as, you know, Piggy and, and you know, Root for Piggy and stuff like that. Okay, how about Tyree? Nah. I don't I'm a huge fan of John D. Uh, eh. John Vander. Eh. Eh. Nah. You know, I'm a huge fan of that one guy who, sa- who says, there's too many of them in this one movie. You know, eh. how does somebody become a big fan of Tally? Uh, I, I, okay, um... So basically, okay, yeah, okay. Yes. Yes. I know what, what I'm going far afield, aren't I? No, no, it's fine. Um, I'll, I'll tackle this real quick. Uh, and then we can do the rest of our, uh, last Jedi stuff when we get to that. But, um, actually a lot of people like her and I think a lot of what it had to do with, um, was just how she was, um, you know, how the actress portrayed her. She very much felt, you know, a lot of times when pilots are in the cockpits, they're just like, Oh yeah, I'm, here I am, like, we're going in there, Poe. But she just, like, the way that her, a lot of, like, her body chemistry and stuff was inside, um, inside the cockpit, it felt like she wasn't acting. It felt like she was just doing, if that makes sense. It felt like she was legitimately going to, um, you know, out there to take down these TIE fighters and stuff. 
um, there there was just something to it that that I really liked and and apparently um, really resonated with a lot of other people as well because she she does actually seem to have a, a pretty big fan base. That is truly and utterly bizarre to me. I could see maybe there being a fan base around Paige because at least Paige does something other than a couple of lines in a cockpit kind of thing. She has a heroic moment. Tally has Tally gets to be the one to say, you know, okay, let's go and then gets blown up in a hangar bay. Well, I mean, she was the one who actually like led that uh attack. Right, she led when... after Poe did most of the work. Anyway, Well, yeah, you know, Poe cleared the cannons and then Tally, I think that's that but but to some degree it's almost like you know the fascination that people had with Wedge yeah. before yeah. Wedge became something big. If if Tally is able to be grabbed and used for more stories the way that Wedge was in Legends, I would totally be able to see that. And I could see her being a character they could do that with. I just it, it boggles my mind that based on the film mm-hmm. and the film alone, people would be all psyched for Tally. I that's I, I was even kind of questioning why of all people it's Tally that winds up getting a ship in uh in Battlefront 2, though I'm assuming it's just because that allowed them to just reskin an A-wing. But yeah. That's neither here nor there, I suppose. Um, anything left for uh, responding to the feedback before we jump into the multiplayer Battlefront 2 stuff? At least I'm assuming that's where we're going. Um, so he asked if I had seen uh, Janina, and I actually met her in person back at Celebration. So, Yes. And that's all he's going to say about that in case his wife listens to the episode. And decides oh, no, I don't to... care. That's not <laughs> she's we're totally the the type of couple who will be like, oh, she's hot. Oh, you think so? OK, well, I, I think that uh, the rock is hot. OK, whatever. Doesn't doesn't really bother us. Um, I just thought it was funnier just to be like, yep. Okay, then. <laughs> Sorry, I th- it probably is not as funny for the listener as it is for me, but Michael does deadpan yeah. well. It's just that <laughs> deadpan doesn't come across as well in audio. I know it's so bad. I'm sorry. But you need to have that blank look on your face, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're smiling, like the conversation's over, right? I did good, huh? <laughs> I don't think it comes across as well on, uh, no. in audio. Everyone's um, like, did, "Did he get cut off? What what happened? My bad." So anyhow, hit that, hit that drop button. (laughs) Uh, you want to jump to, uh, the fantasy flight thing? Sure. Sure. We could do that first, uh, because it's quick. So yes, uh, we got the news as of today, as we're recording this, which is January 10th, that, uh, not only do we have the last of the force packs, uh, for the current cycle, the alliances cycle announced, um, but also that Fantasy Flight Games is ending Star Wars the card game, the living card game or LCG. So we've got the fifth force pack for Alliance is still coming. Uh, uh, which promise is Promise of Power. I'm sorry? Promise of Power. Now the fifth one. The fifth one is still coming, which is Trust in the Force. Oh, I thought then Promise they of just Power announced oh, okay. Promise of Power, which is the last one. They actually have two. Oh, okay. I, all right. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of you. My bad. Yeah, there's two more. There's one that's already been announced. Um, there's one that just got announced today that has uh, uh, Ezra apparently in it and has the seventh sister on the um, the packaging. But in the process of announcing that, they said uh, along the way, in addition to being the final force pack of the Alliances cycle, Promise of Power marks the completion 
of Star Wars The Card Game. Over the past five years, Star Wars The Card Game has seen five deluxe expansions and six cycles of Force Packs, ranging from the Battle of Hoth through the Pilots of the Rogue Squadron cycle, the Force Battles of the Indoor cycle, and the most recent changes of the Opposition and Alliances cycle. With the conclusion of the Alliances cycle, the game will be complete, and the Star Wars World Championships in May will be the final organized play World Championship for the game. So it would seem that I think one of the predictions you made fairly early on has probably come true, which is that uh, Destiny probably killed the LCG, although the LCG seemed to be almost on life support for a while. It was still getting stuff released, but it seemed like the fan uh, energy for the game had really, really waned even before Destiny really sort of sucked all the air out of the room with the card and dice crowd. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, and two, even though you and I both have stated that we're not a fan of that model, it seems like the card players seem to really like that uh, grab bag model. Well, it's just it's one of those things where you don't think of a card game a lot of times as being about tactics so much as it's about the build of your deck. Right. And whereas if you look at something like X-Wing or Armada, Building your squadron, sure, that's a big part of it, but a lot of it then becomes about the tactics once you're playing. And there's enough of a shift towards tactics that I think the idea you could just buy whatever ships you want to build your squad or your squadron is not an issue. That's that's you know a perfectly fine mentality for a miniatures game. But yeah, I think the idea of, wait, anybody can just get whatever cards they want is great for collectors like me um, and those who want all the possible options uh, and don't like the collectible card model, but if your entire idea of what makes the game fun is, I want to see what I've got versus what this guy's got, and the deck building is such a huge part of it, then yeah, it, it would make sense that something where the deck building can be an equal playing field, so to speak, for everybody who spent the same money does take away some of the energy of the way that card games have been played really since Magic, Magic the Gathering. Right. But uh, I just find it funny how, I mean, they basically just seems like they buried the lead there where they're like, oh, by the way, um, this is our new pack and it's our last one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And the fact that they, uh, uh, the way they put it was uh, that it's the completion of Star Wars A Card Game, not the cancellation. Mind. Right, right. It's the completion. This it's 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 a very Lucasian thing to say, isn't it? Well, I had this plan all along, right? <laughs> um, right. It's the completion of the cycle. Although, really, um, I mean, to a degree, most of the things that we asked for or that we wanted to see in this game early on did come about. Uh, right. Uh, you had the different uh, multiplayer modes and whatnot with one of the expansions, expansions that, you know, after the first one didn't have much for Smugglers and Spies and Scum and Villainy, quite a bit for that. Um, new faction cards um, uh, coming out, all that kind of stuff. It seems like they've really sort of stretched it maybe as far as they could without needing some type of major overhaul that would have thrown off perhaps part of the player base anyway. So I wonder if this... I can't imagine they really were planning to complete it at this point. Complete my butt. But if they're <laughs> going to end it, at least they were able to finish out the force cycle and had some good um, new small mechanics introduced in the last couple of cycles to keep it fresh for a little bit as it dies on the vine. Yeah. My question is, did they hurt themselves by announcing before the last two force packs are actually sold that it's being canceled? 
does that mean they're going to put out less of those force packs or does that mean that we can expect them to take a hit because a lot of people will say well screw it i'm not going to buy these last two force packs because the game's ending um I think that that's definitely going to be the case, but I, I would imagine that they're intelligent enough to uh, anticipate that and not uh, produce as many. That would be my hope. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's the thing is, <clears throat> you could say that, oh, okay, well, you know, I, I get it. I, I get where now's the time, but uh, from the same standpoint... Um, just because, you know, they've been digging into Rebels and stuff, uh, I think there's still more places to go with it, and I think they probably could have kept it going. Uh, I mean, we've got Last Jedi content they could have dived into, or could have dove into. Well, but that's uh, but that's the thing, though. Yeah. They've kept that game mm-hmm. the way that they've kept most of the other games, which is original trilogy era-centric. So, like, we never got a Poe Dameron. We never got characters for the LCG out of The Force Awakens, let alone the idea of getting something from Last Jedi. Um, so it's kind of one of those things where they they almost stifled their own ability to expand. But I was thinking more in terms of, like, different gameplay mechanics. Like, they've, they've kind of tweaked. The last couple of couple seem to be sort of the Hail Marys of, hey, here's a new mechanic. Hope you like it. It's tiny, but at least we can say that this is what this cycle introduced. Yeah, and I guess, thing. actually, now that I think about it, I guess I understand why, because they uh, they would have to enter, you know, they'd have to basically throw in more, um, you know, since you have Imperial, um, they would kind of have to do it like X-Wing, where they're like, oh, it's Imperial and First Order, mm-hmm. um, or they would have to actually come out with new factions, but I think if they come out with, like, a First Order faction, it would be so... Um, you know, it'd be so minuscule to start with that it wouldn't really be able to catch up. So that I do understand that actually. Um, now that I think about it, that that makes sense with the the mechanics of the game. But um, you know, I once again, uh, Destiny not something that I've I've bought into just because of the the cost of it. Um, I, I keep hearing just glowing reviews of the game. Um, and it, it's, I'm just like, eh, maybe, but I know as soon as I, I take that one little hit, then I'm going to be coming back and like some kind of crackhead. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Star Wars crackhead. It's, it, I'll say it's a fun game. It's just, it, the, the business model's not, I don't mm-hmm. think conducive for either of us at this point that we've, as we've talked about before. Right. So, uh, you know, but I would be interested to see, if, you know, if that it's, if that's something where, and, and I imagine it is where they just are going to pick up the, the slack from this and um, you know, that's going to be what people play instead now. Hey everybody save money on cards. Now spend a buttload on Legion. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yes. Which is coming very, very soon to, to take down <laughs> that other game. Yeah. So the Imperial <laughs> assault. Can happen <laughs> too. Awesome. Exactly. Um, but I mean, that's the, you know, cycle it through, you know, eventually I, I still expect that eventually we're going to see a, a refresh of the RPG that is straight up canon instead of including Legends elements. But that's that's just because it seems like they had, had trickled down so much. Oh, okay, anything else on the LCG before we touch on, I guess, since you jumped to LCG, either Battlefront multiplayer or any uh, Last Jedi stuff we want to talk about? Uh, Well, I mean, which which one do you think is the big discussion topic what which one should we save which one should we hit i think we can 
probably hit both. But I think we we did in the last episode saying we were going to talk about the the multiplayer for Battlefront Two this time. Okay. So we should probably stick to that. I would think. Okay. Um, and it and it transitions into Last Jedi because that's what the DLC was anyway. Okay, sounds good. Uh, um, so multiplayer, I've done it. I like it. That's that's been a Michael Morris review. Say good night, folks. <laughs> wow, wow, you really are gonna make me carry this one, aren't you? Um, so yet yeah, so Battlefront Two for those who haven't played it, and I it, I kind of surprised the number of people who have said that they're interested in it and interested in hearing discussion on it, but haven't played it themselves even though they've got the modern systems. I think that a lot of the controversy has caused people to say, you know what, I'll get it later when it's sort of on the bargain bin. Yeah, and I'm not at all surprised by that. Oh, no, uh, especially after the controversy and everything. Right. So basically in the game, we've talked about the campaign mode. There is also the arcade mode, which is going to be your single player or co-op, and it's basically a set of scenarios you can do for the light side or the dark side called battle scenarios that are either uh, go to this one place and battle enemies as if it was team deathmatch, except it's AI and you, uh, or do this thing where it's like a time challenge where you start with a certain amount of time. It starts ticking down as soon as you kill the first enemy and every enemy you kill adds to your time and you are expected to kill X number of enemies. And they have three different difficulties for each one. Nice little area, and you can customize scenarios really, really easily. Um, Not something a lot of people have devoted too much time to. Some of the challenges get crazy difficult, but you can use that customization if you're trying to farm for credits pretty easily. Set yourself a... uh, an onslaught mode, which is the one that has to do with the timer, set the initial timer at three seconds, start it, three, start it, kill somebody, three, two, one, it's over. Whether you win or lose, you get a hundred credits. It's just a question of how long you can, how many of those times you can do that, um, and how mind-numbing it gets. I want to say it caps out at something like 10, uh, 10 matches of that type or something like that per day before it tells you come back tomorrow. But a lot of time on loading screens. So that's another mode we really haven't delved too much into, but there's just not much to it to talk that's about. One, that's one thing you brought up that I, I've been meaning to ask you. What's that? How do you feel? Because I know it, with me, I'm like, maybe it's just me because like I've stated multiple times that I don't do a lot of console gaming. Most of my gaming is done on the PC. How do you feel the loading times for this game are compared to other games you've played on the console? The loading times for Battlefront 2, even on a PlayStation 4 Pro, are pretty ridiculous. It is so long. Yeah. Now, now that's bet- that's when you load a match for the first time, though. Between matches, because you are stuck in that position of needing to actually, you know, pick a character, maybe check your loadout and stuff like that, it's usually 30 seconds or less. Yeah. That's not too bad, and you're checking out your stats, so some of your time is sucked up with that, and you don't really notice it as much. But yeah, when you're first signing in... It's, it's bad. And there have been times where I've been on a live stream and we've had to basically cut the live stream because it'll go to the loading screen as I'm trying to go back to the main menu and it will just go to a black screen with the little circular icon full of lines <laughs> yeah. up in the corner running and running and running without ever actually loading the menu screen. The loading on the game is 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 terrible, but yeah, and, and... I, I don't think that's necessarily a big I don't think that's a selling point. I don't think they were advertising it as it'll load super fast. But <laughs> yeah, but seriously, even, still, even I, on a pro, that's how slow it's loading. Yeah, because it's and you know, uh, I I don't have a pro. I just have the the regular PS3 and uh, PS4. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been sticking in the PS3. It takes forever. No, um, 
my PS4, it, it takes so long. And I'm like, maybe I'm just spoiled from PC gaming, but this feels like forever. So I am glad to hear that. Uh, oh yeah. It's, it's long. not just me. <laughs> it's long. I can, I can load Skyrim VR uh-huh. in like a quarter of the time. And that's from starting the game as opposed to trying to load a match. Yeah. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, so, so speaking of multiplayer, so we've got the arcade mode, not much to talk about. Multiplayer on this game only has five modes. You've got Galactic Assault, which is a scenario-based mode, kind of like the Death Star missions and stuff, uh, or the Scarif mission that we had back on the original Battlefront, where you basically have uh, usually three to four different stages that happen, where one side has a goal for a first stage, and then either uh, the defender kills all of the uh, the enemy and... Therefore, yeah, and it ran, runs their number of reinforcements down to zero because every time somebody respawns, it counts as a reinforcement. Um, runs that number down to zero, and they win. Or the attacker manages to do their objective, and it moves to the next stage. And then it's very similar, and then the next stage. But the, the things they're trying to do will vary depending on the map and depending on the stage. It might be uh, shoot an ion blast at this uh, transport and then attack it and try to bring it down or defend the throne room or capture this point or grab this item and run it back to a specific location. So they tend to vary quite a bit. And when you're playing Galactic Assault, it's the massive mode. It's the most players that you're playing with. And it's you're going to tend to alternate sides. So you might be on the Kashyyyk map, okay, now I'm on the, on the Kashyyyk Mac playing as the droid army. Next match, I'm on Kashyyyk again playing as the clone army. And then you're going to move to another map. So it gives you a chance to have sort of a balanced feeling if you think that one side has the advantage. And early on, basically, if you were the one with the objective to pull off, you were screwed. Now it's a lot more balanced because people kind of know how to play the objectives. Um, so there's Galactic Assault. There is the flip side to that in space called Starfighter Assault. Starfighter Assault is basically scenario-based, objective-based space combat. So it's stuff like take out the shield generators and then take out the generator inside the ship and that sort of thing. Um, the different, uh, just like with Galactic Assault, which type of characters are available, which uh, are, which ones represent each class, like what is the look of a, a uh, an assault class? What is the look of the heavy class? What is the look of the specialist or the officer classes? What do the reinforcements look like? Um that all depends on what time period you're in and which side you're on. So the ships that you fly, same thing in Starfighter Assault, determined by the, the side you're on and determined by the era it's in. But you have basically um, fighter class, bomber class, and interceptor class. It's called interceptor. Um, and then uh, those scenarios, again, fairly large, although you're going to be playing with some AI as opposed to just humans. Then you take a step away from that. Uh, you have the typical blast mode, which is basically team deathmatch. A hundred lives, kill the other side. That's pretty much it. You have strike, which is sort of like a mini version of Galactic Assault that's best two out of three. It's a smaller scenario. Either grab this and run it to an objective or capture these two points, basically. Um, with the idea being that whoever does it wins that round, and whoever w wins two rounds wins the match. Uh, but that that one doesn't alternate sides the way that Galactic Assault would. So if you feel like it's going to get old doing best two out of three on the map, at least you move to a new map for the next scenario. But that does mean you don't have that balanced feel of, wow, this time I was a defender. 
I, it was okay last time I was the one who had to run it across the map and we were just completely screwed and now we have no chance for the other team to be in that position. Not that it matters much because you're not getting your points based on wins, you're getting it based on how long you played basically. Um, and then the last mode is, and, and Strike is smaller maps, the last mode is uh, Heroes versus Villains which is similar to the old Heroes versus Villains in that you are picking heroes and villains pretty much exclusively, but it plays very different. Um, you basically, uh, you have a team of heroes, a team of villains. One is designated as the target on either side, and you're trying to take out the target on the other team, and each time you do that, you're scoring, basically, and whoever does it uh, the most and the fastest to eventually reach the goal, um, the goal score winds up winning essentially. Um, the downside being that, uh, well, two downsides really for heroes versus villains. One is that the villains are way overpowered for heroes versus villains if they're running around separately. If you're the heroes, you better stick together or the heroes are going to lose almost every time. It's, it's not balanced at all at this point still. Um, the other thing is that that's the mode that because of how many points you get from playing as a hero, uh, or how much score you get and then how many credits you get at the end of the game from playing as a hero and using their abilities and all, uh, that's the one that people are taking advantage of a lot for the rubber banding thing where they just leave their controllers sitting there with something manually or, or automatically like moving the character or pressing a button so they stay in the match and don't get booted out but aren't actually helping the team at all to farm the system in a way that in this case actually does affect other players rather than just um, being a single-player co-op type of thing. So five modes, somewhat diverse, playing either as troopers and so on, um, heroes at times, and we can talk about those as we go along as well. But that's your your five modes. Which ones, I know you've spent less time with multiplayer probably than I have at this point because you were focusing on the campaign. Um, which modes have tended to, to draw you in more? The... Um... Galactic Assault and Starfighter. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. And and honestly, it seems like that's sort of the the, the big picture. I mean, Strike. Well, it's short, I mean, literally, that's um, when you're oh, looking that's at all the. You no, I was saying when you look at the screen, and oh, yeah, when you go true. to select they're them, the, they're the two large boxes, and the others are the smaller boxes. Are the small ones off the side? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, when you say big picture, villains, I've played like a couple of times. Strike, mm -hmm. I've played a little more recently because you had to for some of the last Jedi challenges. And blast isn't a blast. <laughs> blast is just freaking team deathmatch all over right, again. Um, right. That seems to drag on a little bit longer than it should. But I really do. I think the that Starfighter Assault and Galactic Assault. I mean, obviously, they're the premier modes. They play well. I like the fact that they're scenario-based rather than just kill X number of enemies or get a certain number of points and such. Right. Uh, I do wish the map rotation didn't suck mm -hmm. because, there, because there were – I mean I went the entire first week of having the game without ever seeing Kashyyyk. Oh, really? Ever. Kashyyyk ever. was the very first one that I um, ever played. And like, like you'll get into a point where you will not leave the playlist at all. You will just keep playing and going match to match to match to match. And I'll be fine. I'll find myself going like now these days. It's usually Kashik, Camino, Kashik, Camino, Kashik, Camino, Naboo, Camino, Kashik, Camino, Kashik. <laughs> and I'm like, I hate you. Um, and Starfighter Assault, the rotation is also pretty bad um, mm -hmm. for whatever reason. 
their ability to actually rotate these so you're not if you're in the same playlist in the same groups of players that you're not playing the same map like every other mode or two out of say four modes half the time um seems to be broken and part of that i think is because they don't reshuffle the groups um, if you're on a group that gets its butt kicked oh, or is yes. kicking everybody's butt and it goes <laughs> to the next match, you just swap sides on that map. There is no rebalancing of the group at all. When it goes to the next map, so you have one as a defender, one as the attacker, again, they are not mixing it up at all. So if you're getting stomped, you're best to go back and endure the loading screens to try to go back into another session of the game to maybe get some better balanced teams because unless everybody quits... You're going to be stuck with that imbalanced pair of teams forever. Yeah, yeah. That was, I was literally, I was kind of in that conundrum. I'm like, do I want to go through the, you know, hour long loading screens or do I want to keep playing with this really bad team? (laughs) Uh, I don't find that it's, I don't find that it's nearly as, as big of an issue, I think, with um, Starfighter Assault. But I think part of that is because Starfighter Assault. You never, well, it, it, not never, but it's a little more difficult to tell who you're killing or who you're up against because there are so many AI ships flying around. Whereas with Galactic Assault, you know, if you see somebody, it, it's a player. Right, right. right. Um, so you have the AI kind of balancing it out a little bit. Plus, it seems as though, I don't know, I, I, I don't think really, I was about to say that it seems like people play the objective more for Starfighter Assault. I actually don't think that's the case. I think it's more that... Starfighter Assault moves fast enough and you're getting credits fast enough between matches that it doesn't feel as much of a drag if you're playing on a team that is constantly missing the objectives because screw it, we, you know, we're about to go into a ma- another match anyway, you know, and the buildup of battle points seems like it happens a little more quickly in Starfighter Assault. Either that or I'm just awesome at Starfighter Assault. <laughs> it may be that one. Um, I don't know. Uh, like I said, I'm still going to have to play it more. I... You know, I'll, I'll be honest. What happened with me was I I played through, and I'm like, I'm gonna beat the game, then I'll worry about playing the the online stuff. But I did that, and then it's like, and now here's the um, the extra content, and I was like, well, I, I gotta figure out what this is about. And you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this on our next episode. But holy crap, there was a lot of content there. This is true. This and we and we'll probably be able to get to it here because there's not a whole lot I think to. To delve too much into oh. here, aside from progression. No, 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 no. We gotta. No. We yeah. We, we need we need more time for that. We'll like I said. Oh. We'll, we'll cover oh. that in another episode. I'm afraid now. Oh, I've uh, got so much to say on it. Um, really? Yeah, I I on the really, DLC. The yeah yeah the um the camp you know the extended oh, campaign, the campaign extension. Okay. Yeah. I was, like, I was like, you really got a lot, that much to say about Finn and Phasma and a couple of new maps? What? <laughs> no, um, no, no, I'm talking about the the actual. Uh, the this extra the DLC story that most stuff. people cared about. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that that stuff we'll, we'll cover later. But I, I got wrapped up in that. Um, gotcha. So, um, you know, the one thing that uh, I know we we've hit on this before, but I, I really feel like that now that we're actually getting into the uh, the online stuff that we we got to talk about, which is how great is it to have different ships in Starfighter Assault? It's amazing, and none of them are cloud cars, so they're, they're <laughs> happy, and Iden is happy. Right. Um, you know, I like the fact that we've got, and it feels more diverse than it actually is, right, to some degree, because part of the diversity is coming from the time periods. You know, you've got three different types, basically, 
But each side and each time period has a different variant on that type. Like maybe your fighter is an X-Wing. Maybe it's a TIE fighter. Maybe it's a um, TIE fighter from the First Order. Maybe it's an ARC-170. Maybe it's a droid starfighter. And they don't actually just put the exact same three abilities on every variant of a fighter or an interceptor or a bomber. So they feel different enough that it's kind of fun to play around and test them and whatnot. And the hero ships, I got to say, the the hero ships stand out to me. And, we can, and we'll have to get into the whole battle point system here. Mm-hmm. But the hero ships really feel different. Like I figured playing as Poe or Luke, because they're in X-Wings, would feel a lot like playing in a regular X-Wing. And they're, they seem to feel more d- different from the core version of that ship than any of the heroes that we saw, for instance, in the original Battlefront. Um, like the Luke in Battlefront versus the X-Wing in Battlefront didn't really feel all that different. Right. Whereas in this case, they do. They play different. In fact, they even tweaked um, Poe after the Last Jedi stuff came out for the DLC and added on that extra booster, the acceleration pod onto it as a, as a fourth ability, which was kind of cool. I just – I have to say that everything they did to Starfighter Assault – uh, from going from the old fighter squadron mode to starfighter assault was fantastic, but we also know that it's because they had a completely different team working on it, right? I mean, yeah, you had Dice, you had Criterion, you had Motive, and they all had their little division of duties, and I believe it was Criterion doing the stuff for Starfighter Assault, um, which makes me hopeful that maybe Criterion will be able to do some type of Star Wars flying game that's a separate game at some point, which is actually supposed to be in the works, but that never happened. Um, I do have one complaint about it, and it's a complaint only because I am a spoiled VR brat, which is, <laughs> where's a VR flying mode? We right. got VR in, as a flying mode in the last game, but the last game, the VR mode took months, and it was to promote a film, so yeah. I can't gripe too much. But no, oh, it, They'll I have it by Solo. Oh, God. <laughs> oh God. I'm still not hyped for Solo. I, I can't wait for there to be a trailer so I can at least feel some hype for Solo. I can right. only cross my fingers. But uh, uh, your buddy Lando's in it, so I guess that's, yeah, I guess that's okay. Uh-huh. So Starfighter Assault, mm-hmm. huge improvement. Uh, Blast was similar. What do you think about the battle point system? The idea that used to be... In essence, to get a special ability or to get a hero was completely luck in that it was just picking up a power uh, a power up or perhaps knowing where it is. But even when you knew where it was, not quite knowing which power up was necessarily going to pop up there. So in essence, anybody could be a hero at any time or have any power up at any time because they were just randomly on the map, not tied into skill at all. Now... It's pretty much all tied into skill because as you earn battle points, and granted you can get some battle points when you die, but as you gain battle points, you then are able to play as that first tier of reinforcements Mm -hmm. um, and then the heroes and on some maps a speeder or a walker or something like that uh, or jump into one of the vehicles that's being used as part of the scenario as a goal or something like an ATAT or something. Um, But it is basically, hey – if you want to be able to do any of these cool things other than just play as your regular standard old trooper, granted with the different ways you can customize with the cards and all, just like last time, just in a different way, um, then too bad. You better you better start getting better. It's, you know, get good, so to speak. <laughs> G-I-T-G-U-D, get good. Um, what do you think? Battle points as a system, 
is that a step forward and a good thing or a step backwards into less accessibility and a bad thing? I've seen the community torn on this one. Well, I think it's great. And the and the, the biggest reason is because it harkens back um, to, to the old Battlefront games. You know, when um, they'd be like, oh, Luke Skywalker is available to play. You know, press this button and you can uh, be Luke Skywalker. It reminds me a lot of that. But past that, um, it's not just a situation of, you know, oh, okay, you know, once I get up enough points, I do the hero thing. But like you were talking about, you, you get the, like, oh, I can actually play as a Wookiee. And oh my God, if you can play as a Wookiee, play as a Wookiee. Um, you know, that's really cool to me. I got to say, I actually, I, I agree. You know, I think the battle point system works well because it, in essence, it gives you something to shoot for, uh-huh. I think. Um, it gives you something to to encourage you to play better, to learn the maps. But it is going to be something that's going to make being able to use those characters less accessible to people who don't play a lot, people who aren't used to playing the games as much. It For all the talk of how, uh, well, they dumbed down Battlefront 1 for accessibility and how a lot of people still complain about Battlefront 2 being more accessible just because it's not the original Battlefront. <laughs> right, right. Uh, You're always going to have that. I, I think that this is a step more towards, you know, rewarding success. And not everybody's necessarily going to be as successful. Not everybody's going to want to see this. And there's, there, there's at least an undercurrent out there of people saying, you know what, you know, make it available to everyone. Well, if you want that, you know, we do have heroes versus villains. What I find frustrating is, and, and again, I'm talking about how I'm not being drawn back to the game, except in a lot of ways by the live streaming. Because I've got to the point where it's exactly what I was worried about that I talked to you about before, which was this idea of, well, when you're knocking out milestones and daily things, uh, especially milestones, it feels like you have a sense of accomplishment and it keeps you going. Oh, just kill 10 more. Oh, just five more kind of stuff. Well, I'm at the point now where basically the milestones that are left are play the arcade mode you don't like, play with these guns you don't like, or keep playing and pray you're going to get to play as the hero that you need to complete milestones with this time around. Um, and I've kind of got to the point where it's become more of a grind in that sense than it is actually a lot of fun to jump in and play the multiplayer. Like, I played quite a bit out of it. I certainly got my money's worth out of it, and I love the campaign. I'm actually probably going to replay the campaign campaign soon because I still haven't summarized it for the Star Wars Timeline Gold yet. But I don't know. It's just it's not drawing me in because those goals that I was following for the milestones, it's sort of like as they're disappearing, there's not really something to to gravitate Get this. And I think to some degree... I mean, it's still better than the diorama system. Hey, do all these things and you're going to get a stupid diorama piece on a slow-loading diorama screen. <laughs> Isn't that terrific from the first game? Right. But it's just not a lot of, uh, of hey, I'm going to draw you in to play this. Because it becomes... And I guess this is the way that it works with any game with a daily, you know, with a daily challenge, daily grind thing. It's like, it's like play three levels of... There are three rounds of Blast. All right, whatever. <laughs> One, two, three, turn it back off. Um, unless I have, unless I'm engaging with someone in a discussion through a live stream, have somebody with me on a stream uh, or something like that, except for when they're putting in that new content, it's having trouble still maintaining my interest because 
the goals have slowed, and because I know that if I'm going to get the cards that I want, which leads us to the progression system, if I'm going to get the cards that I want, I'm going to have to play and play and play and get me, get myself enough credits to buy another loot crate so that most, if not all, the loot crates are going to wind up being duplicates that are useless to me. Um, I said to give me back a tiny portion of what I spent, and now here's some crafting parts, and I'll do that over and over again and maybe finally get enough crafting parts to turn that rare I've got into the epic that I actually want. And then there's other cards I could chase, but I don't really care because I don't think I'll ever use those abilities. It's like a lot of the impetus to draw me back is fading. And I think part of it is that the milestones and the progression system, after a certain point, particularly once you've got a lot of cards and you start sort of refining your approach to which cards you want and which cards you're planning on using, it, it sort of bottlenecks and, and starts to and then starts to taper off a little bit. Um I don't know. Have you? It doesn't sound like you've got to that point, but you haven't been able to play quite as much as I have to get kind of saturated on it and kind of meh. Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly what it comes down to. I think that, I think you know, there's there's basically two ways of doing it. You can either try to put those things in the game, and people um, who are going to do that are going to do it. Um, or you you don't, and you just let people play it based on uh, how fun they they find it. And I, I think with this game, um, at least for for myself, it's gonna be a game that I, you know I just I don't care about. Like you know, honestly, I never got up enough points to get the uh, the Shadow Trooper armor that I wanted from the first Battlefront game. Because at, at a certain point, I was just like. I don't care anymore, you know. Um, it, it seemed like a, a good idea, but it just it wasn't worth it for me. So uh, for me, trying to to build up to that or whatever, I'm just like I feel like I can put that energy towards mm -hmm. something else, um, and and the rewards would be much greater um, if if I put that energy toward like doing some writing or you know working in the garage or whatever. You know, um, so if, if I'm going to be playing, I'm going to be playing because I find it enjoyable. Um, and I think that with a game like this, the best way to make that happen is playing with friends and stuff. Right. And like I said, that when I live stream, great fun. Um, and I just I, I'm a wise ass when I'm on a live stream. Let's face it. If anybody saw my recent Skyrim VR second live stream, basically, I was be I just just. The, the, if, if I was really in the world of Skyrim, I would have been killed from my mouth <laughs> many times ago. Um, but I think that's the thing. I mean, that that draws me back into it. And, the, you know, the DLCs will bring me back. The story brings me back because I really do like the campaign um, and what they're doing with it, adding on to it. But it is one of those things where uh, I used to be – I mean, I'm a completist on a lot of things. You know, the, the home video collecting, I'm a completist. You know, I'm going to get every version of this or – um, I want all the different movies in this set, uh, in this series of movies on Blu-ray, even though half of them are already on Netflix kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I definitely, there was, it was like, there was a moment, I think, actually it was the first Battlefront game that did it. Uh, in the first Battlefront game where my goal was to unlock every star card, upgrade every star card, and then get every single emote and cosmetic item. And I got the star cards, I got them upgraded, and then in the midst of doing, you know, I'm going to go get this head this week. Next time I'm going to aim to go get this 
Ishitib species for my character that I reached a point where it was like my brain clicked and it, and it went, why are you busting your butt mm -hmm. playing this and grinding it out when you're not having as much fun as you would doing something else for something that means literally nothing. Right. Like, unless you're you're what you're trying to get that skin so that other players can go ooh look at that person who has that skin because most players don't care most players look at you if you've got a special skin and all they see is just another person to shoot and kill mm -hmm. you don't know these people even if their opinions you know were positive do you really <laughs> care about the the positive opinion of somebody who's probably if you were on mic going to be a foul mouth middle schooler calling you racial epithets probably not um, so yeah, so I had a lot of fun with it. I'm still having fun with it when I do the streams. It's just one of those things where, um, it's, it makes me wonder about the staying power in the long run, but I think it's going to be these DLCs and the fact that they're free, that's going to do it. They burned a lot of ill, uh, of goodwill with the controversies, but by having them be free DLCs, hopefully it'll draw enough people back each time they release that we wind up with a game that does have a little bit more staying power than it might. Um, do we want, I know we've talked about the progression system before. Do we want to hit that a little bit more or head into more of a DLC kind of thing? Um, well, I mean, about the only thing I wanted to kind of mention on it was that I actually think it's, it's kind of cool how there are sort of uh, multiple ways that you um flesh out I, I suppose you know um not only can you upgrade your your star cards uh like with the previous game but you can also upgrade different weapons and and get different weapons as you go along uh you know last time it was like oh hey get you know do these things and get this weapon whereas now it's like get the weapon and then also get a scope or you know a, a modified stock for it or whatever um I think stuff like that makes it a lot more fun, uh, especially someone like me <clears throat> who likes playing with one specific uh, blaster that I can actually get a little bit more progression out of that of being like, oh, I love the E11, but how can I really optimize the E11? And I do like the fact that we've got a little more customization. You've got emotes. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, you've got your victory pose. Yeah, I don't care. You've got uh, the fact that you do have four weapons to choose from on each once you've unlocked the other three or other two because one of them gets unlocked normally and one gets unlocked by the Elite Trooper Edition if you've got that. Uh, I will agree. I like the fact that you can unlock the upgrades to the, uh, to the weapons. In particular, there are certain weapons that have like a night vision type of thing that they can do or that have a double scope because I tend to find that I really like playing as either the specialist, which is a sniper basically or as the officer with a pistol that's basically a sniper pistol, <laughs> right. uh, which is uh, one of the ones you can unlock. And the fact that it's basically rewarding you for the usage of that weapon, because all of those different uh, modifications for a weapon, like the double zoom scope instead of a regular scope, all of those come from getting X number of kills with that specific weapon. Although that does mean that, again, now I've got a bunch of milestones that are just get kills with a weapon that I don't use. Well, that's, I don't think I'm ever going to do those milestones. Um, but that's cool. As far as the star cards and such, I do think that the fact that it's based not just on how many cards you have, but also not just on your XP level. 
in essence. Um, the fact that it's a blending of the two, I think, actually addressed some of the concerns about progression through the loot boxes and gave us sort of a middle ground that's not bad. The way that it generally works, folks, is that if you're going to upgrade a star card, okay, so you've got a star card, you have three different slots, and you unlock those slots, uh, well, it's three on most things, uh, you unlock those slots beyond the first one based on the number, or based on your card level for that class of trooper or that hero or that ship or whatever. And the way you raise your card level is you get more and more cards for that particular type, and all the cards have little tick marks on the top for the different rarities. You have common, uncommon, rare, and epic, which have anywhere from one to four, respectively, little tick marks on top. And it counts up the number of tick marks you have, and once you reach a certain threshold, it opens up another slot. Reach another threshold, it opens up the last slot, so you can use up to three star cards. And that also plays into crafting cards. You can get crafting parts. They're the rarest currency outside of the one you'd have to pay real money for that used to be in the game that's still kind of there but not really used much. Um, the way that it would work is that I could use, say, 40 crafting parts to craft myself a common star card if I haven't had the luck of getting it out of a crate. And then I can take that one, and once I reach a certain card level and a certain level on my account by playing and getting score game after game after game to raise my rank or raise my level for the whole account, then I can spend some crafting parts to upgrade that common to an uncommon, uncommon to rare, rare to epic. But the thresholds you have to meet for both your account level and your card level for that particular thing you're trying to get star cards for... Um, get increasingly the, – the, the requirements get increasingly higher as you try to go. So you're not going to be able to craft an epic, for instance, to begin with, and you won't see an epic coming out of a crate. So you've got a combination of luck in loot crates that you open up, starfighter crates, hero crates, uh, or trooper crates, or the daily crate, which is just kind of a, a quick daily thing, um, where basically you're getting cards anywhere from you know three to five – and you could have up to a rare rarity, but not epic, coming out of that. Uh, could be all commons. It could be a mixture of cards and crafting parts, um, which is usually the case. Some cards and at least one crafting part. But slowly but surely, as you earn credits in the game and spend them on crates, you're building up crafting parts so that if you haven't been lucky in a while, you could at least use the crafting parts to get some cards that you want. But the upgrading is pretty expensive compared to the rate at which you actually get the crafting parts. So for me, it works well enough, but there are two changes, or I guess there's one big change that I would say they really probably should have implemented. Um, aside from just probably lowering the price a little bit on how many crafting parts it takes to upgrade something or increasing the amount of crafting parts that you can get along the way. But uh, it, if I remember correctly, back in the beta, if you got a duplicate star card of something you already got before, I'm pretty sure you got the high, the next highest rank of it. So like if I had a common star card and the next time I opened a crate, I got another one of that exact same common star card, it transformed into uncommon. So that I think was part of the beta. It's hard for me to remember because I wasn't paying as much attention to right. it. And then they also told us, well, don't worry. You'll be able to wind up accidentally getting duplicates out of crates. But 
you'll get crafting parts for them. And then they change that, and actually when they implement it in the game, you get credits. And not nearly enough to justify the cost of the crate you just bought that you wasted a ton of credits <laughs> on just to get a bunch of friggin' duplicates. Um, so they either need to change it to crafting parts like they said they were going to in the first place, which they didn't do, or make it so getting a duplicate gives you the next highest level, or just eliminate the possibility of getting a freaking duplicate. How hard could that be? Um, I'm The crates themselves don't really bug me, and I think the prices of the crates in credits versus time played actually isn't all that bad, at least for the hero and starfighter crates. It's still ridiculous for the trooper crate. Um, but the fact that you can get duplicates, that is really, really, I mean, that is, that is sand to my Anakin when it comes to this progression <laughs> system. But otherwise, it strikes a decent enough balance between mm -hmm. luck and choice that I actually don't think it's quite as bad as it's been made out to be. Um, what do you think of the progression system, and is there something that you personally, since I gave a suggestion, that you would want to see change that you think would make it better? Um, well, mm, I didn't anticipate this question. And uh, right now, I can't think of anything. Um, just because, like I said, I, I haven't put a, a whole lot of uh, time into the, uh, the multiplayer yet, to where I could say. Um, so right now I haven't found any issues, but okay, well, so we'll, we'll put this one on hold the next time when we're talking this time we're talking about battlefront two, it can be, so what do you think about that progression system now? So you now have homework. Congratulations. Correct. I, the teacher. Get so someone have to actually pay attention homework. instead of just being like, give me that E11. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, 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 pew. Yeah. Like me with my, <laughs> my sniper rifle and my little sniper pistol thing. Um, now I guess. This then opens up, since we do have the time here, I think, um, to get at least a little bit into the DLC. Um, they did the whole Season of the Last Jedi thing. And Season of the Last Jedi started out with new challenges, and you had to pick a faction, and you're going to be able to get a reward if your faction wins in the end by completing challenges or, you know, something. They haven't really been very specific about how it's calculated. Um, and the idea is then that that was supposed to sort of set you on sides and then the next week, they actually dropped all the content, which is there is a new uh, there's a new Galactic Assault map that's on Crate at the abandoned Rebel base, which is a sniper's dream map, by the way. Um, you have a new Starfighter Assault map over Dakar, um, which is kind of weird. You've got Finn as a hero now, Phasma as a villain now, so you can play as either of them, Tally and her A-Wing... He's a big character. Um, <laughs> got added into Starfighter Assault as a hero ship that you can play as. And then, of course, the biggest thing, right, was that they added in some new DLC missions. Not just one mission, but essentially a mini campaign add-on with several missions. I think it's like three or four that takes place actually after where the ending of the game left off. Because we talked about how the, the the last level of the game acts almost like an epilogue that jumps us to right before The Force Awakens. And there was some question as to, is the DLC going to fill in the gap between the Battle of Jakku and that? Or is it going to be after that? And it turns out that it was after that and actually winds up taking us through at least some of the events, not just in The Force Awakens, but parallel to events in The Last Jedi as well, uh, along with introducing a new character to us. 
Um, for me, I think I'm like you. For me, it, the, the DLC add-on for the campaign that that was that was where all my attention was focused. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. That was fun. I was really glad to see it. I've barely played as Phasma or Finn. Um, Tally's actually fairly decent, um, though one of her challenges is a pain in the butt. You know, get save your kills with Tally. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's gonna be a pain in the ass. <laughs> um, but uh, the map on Crate I thought was pretty cool, especially if you like playing as a sniper. It's great for a sniper. Um, not as big a fan of the map on Dakar for Starfighter Assault because there are these weird anomaly generators where if you fly into them, it's like you don't fly straight anymore. But the goal is to fly straight through these cylinders and shoot targets. So if you're going after, if you're the side that has to go after the target and that thing is active, you can pretty much bet you're going to be splatted against the wall. Um, so not as big a fan of that one. But I thought the campaign stuff, I think the whole package worked very well, but certainly the campaign was the highlight. Right, right. And like I said, because with that campaign, I think there's so much to dive into and, and it, there was so much there that it's better just to cover that on a, on a different episode, especially with us still having The Last Jedi to talk about on this one. Mm -hmm. um, but in, in general, though, mm -hmm. your general thoughts on it without going into the story specifics. Notice I didn't go into story specifics. Um, so I should probably save this to next time. Was, but... it, was it worth your zero dollars? It was definitely worth my zero dollars. Definitely, definitely worth my zero dollars. Um, and and I'll just I'll go ahead and just throw it out here. Hot take. I actually think that the free stuff was better than the stuff I paid for. Wow, that's that's pretty extreme. I'm not. I wouldn't go that far. Um, I would say that the campaign add-on was pretty cool, pretty worthwhile, but. I don't know that I would say that. In, now, if you're talking about for this game, I'm not sure that it was better than, you know, the, the original game that we paid for, per se, because there wasn't that much content there. But I will say that I think that this this mixture of of content and maps for the two main modes and such, uh, I definitely feel like if I had paid for this the same way I had paid for a DLC from Battlefront 1... I definitely would have felt as though I got more value out of this content than I got out of any of the specific paid DLC packs for Battlefront 1. Mm -hmm. Would you say that? What did you think about it? How does it compare to the Death Star DLC, Michael? <laughs> well, I did mean... Did I just trigger you? The, the, everyone knows that Death Star DLC is clearly the best, so you, you, you just can't live up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is... I, I was actually kind of surprised. I was like, wow, they're doing this. And I like how they're sort of rolling it out as like a um, like a challenge. Yeah, it's kind of a... It, now, on the one hand, so I'm kind of torn on the whole challenge thing because there's uh -huh. a part of me that says, I want everything. <laughs> Don't make it so that one group of players will get something and the other group won't. What the heck are you doing? I can't choose both sides with two different accounts or, or you know... Um, so in that case, I'm sort of pulling my hair out, but it is kind of cool that they they decided to give it a theme, I uh -huh. guess, and that the theme runs beyond just, hey, here's that dump of content. Right. You know, now all of your challenges are themed for that particular faction, although they're basically the same and really only the names change instead of just calling them daily challenges. Um, and... You know, I mean, just the idea they, – they've done some theme things. Like they've done like uh, – there was one weekend where the only maps they were running on Starfighter Assault were from two different choices. And you couldn't play the other ones, which was very thematic and yet at the same time sucked for anybody who was working on the milestone to get wins as attacker or defender on every 
Starfighter Assault map. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the feel that they've got more of a plan for a long term from each DLC is nice. But at the same time, the fact that you get the DLC and then it's just like in, to some degree, the original game where it's like, okay, here's the DLC. Okay, I played it. Now what? And mm-hmm. then we, I don't even think they've announced, not that I've seen, announced what the next DLC is going to be or when it's going to be. Probably because they're still in the middle of season of The Last Jedi. Right. So how many months is it going to be before the next wave of new content arrives? Which is the same thing we ran into with Battlefront 1. At least in that case, we knew how many were coming. I don't know that they've even said how many seasons of free DLC content we should expect for this game. You would assume there'd be one for solo, but we haven't heard anything uh, until they're like, until we have screwed up too much and we just go until we go screw it. We're out. But that superpower that you can earn for a, if you earn uh, 10,000 battle points in the midst of one of the matches on the solo map, you can, you can turn into Ron Howard and just do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> and the rest of the rules previously established no longer apply exactly yeah i mean i honestly you know i was like half joking but i I really do think that we'll see content for solo i mean why would we not yeah i mean yeah i think that's 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 probably a given i would expect at this point i'm we have also seen people doing data mining for other characters that they've run into like uh, anakin and grievous so presumably they'll show up in there at some point we'll Mm -hmm. probably get like a clone Wars season or something like that but uh yeah, it'd be nice if they did something with Rebels, given the fact that Rebels is about to hit its season fin- or its series finale coming up soon. But I would think that if they were going to do something to tie into that as its ending, they would have announced it by now. Well, yeah, and I also heard they were considering it, but they uh, they knew that you know this one guy would give them so much flack if they didn't get Ezra's nose right, so they just said screw it. Hey, you could have <laughs> used it as a shield. All you got to do is have Ezra stand sideways in front of you. Uh, you, you did notice in that last pack for uh, the LCG that they finally did get his uh, nose right. Yeah, yeah, Ezra looked <laughs> fairly normal. Yeah, and they're like, and, and we're out. <laughs> like, all right, we got it, we're done, we fixed the schnoz, it's okay. So I, I don't know that there's really anything else we can uh, bring up right now on this without just you know going. No, nah, not when you not when you want to hold the discussion on the DLC. Uh, campaign stuff so uh, i would just say you know it's definitely worth your zero dollars to get though i would also say it probably would have been worth paying for this one more so than paying for some of the ones from battlefront one which granted as i as i borrow from dennis miller all the time it's like being valedictorian of summer school (laughs) in this case the valedictorian came out fairly strong just because it was summer school didn't matter just because it was ea and battlefront didn't matter it actually Turned out to be a decent expansion for free. So, mm-hmm. what's not to like with that? Yeah. It's so, EA! That's what's not to like! Yeah, we heard you. Shut up. <laughs> so, uh, then the other thing is, since, uh, you know, it is Star Wars, there was, there was this little movie that came out. Do you want one of those little Lego things or Forces of Destiny that they put out on YouTube? Yeah, one of, one of them. One of them. You know, it actually is true. Forces of Destiny did come out if you went at just the right time to Walmart and bought a reissue of one of the Blu-ray sets. You actually got a Forces of Destiny special on DVD. They actually did recently release it. I wasn't totally being a facetious jerk. Only about 
Is is it anything new? Is it exactly what we saw on YouTube? Um, it's based actually it is somewhat new. If you watched it on, well, I mean, I think I think this one actually is on YouTube now. Like it's it's the one where they combined several different episodes to make one larger episode with transitions in between at the commercial breaks with uh, Maz Kanata actually talking. Oh, that's kind of so, neat. Volume one, as they call it, which gives some of the reason behind why, you know, why Forces of Destiny as a series exists in and of itself. But I would just, I would just be in facetious there. Yeah. I've at least 90 said, I'm yeah. sorry. So you're talking about The Last Jedi. Yeah, that, that the most came divisive out. thing I've seen on my Facebook feed since the election. Yeah, it's it's been kind of nuts. Um, you would have thought George Lucas made this movie. Because it's, uh, it's been really divisive. Well, it turns out, you know, that George Lucas actually had a lot of the, uh, it, not the finer story points, but the stuff like Luke being a hermit and uh, Luke having to face off against his tur- a turned member of the next generation of that same family. And, and several aspects, actually, of the film turned out they were from some of Lucas's early ideas that Ryan Johnson picked up and used. So to some degree, Lucas had more of a hand in this one than, say, he did in The Force Awakens. But I, I don't think that's an automatic recipe for controversy. I think the recipe for controversy was this isn't going to go the way you think. And throughout the entire movie, things don't necessarily go the way you think. They make some pretty bold choices. Not all of them great. You know, Luke milking a Thera siren could have done without that. <laughs> give me nightmares for the rest of my life. Yeah. But I really... Um, for all the controversy, one part of me, maybe this is just because I really like the film. For me, that's my top Star Wars film now. Well, of I course. I do not but... say that lightly. I'm excited for it. So maybe I'm willing to put the controversy aside. But I think I would rather people, even if it's a controversy, I think I'd rather people be talking about Star Wars than it just being, oh, yeah, there was another Star Wars movie. Right. You know, I, I wonder right. if controversy sometimes is good because it gets people thinking about what made them love it in the first place. I, I, I partially agree. Um, I think that uh, in, in a lot of cases that that's the case. Um, I think that there's been some, I say, growing pains with um, how fans have had to deal with this because it's not just been a situation of fans having to learn um, how to say, you know what? I didn't care for this. This is uh, a bit of an issue for me or whatever. It's also been an issue of people needing to step back and say, it's okay if other people don't like this, you know? So it's really been both sides because oh yeah, just as much as there's been people who've been bashing it, there's also been people who have said, I don't like it. And then they have other people tearing them apart for it. And neither of those are okay. Um, and I, I kind of feel like I'm in a, um, uh, in, in a lot of ways, I, I feel like I'm, I've come from a, a good spot with it because when I first saw the film, I, you know, I was like, oh, I love that. Or there's like, and especially as it got to the end. And then I was like thinking back on it and I was like, you know what? I don't think I liked that movie. Um, and I, and I spent like two days just really thinking on it. Um, cause of course it, it was during my uh, Christmas rush, so I couldn't get right back to the, the theater, but, um, you know, spent a lot of time like thinking on it and thinking on it, then went back and watched it. And then afterwards I was like, you know what? 
I I'm actually okay with this. And uh, I saw it a third time. I've actually seen it four times now. And I I can say that where it's it's hard to you know put the films in order right now, but I can say um, I don't hate it. Um, but I also don't uh, think it's for me. I, I don't like it more than the Force Awakens. So I would put it just behind the Force Awakens. Yeah. So we went to see it in 3D. Uh, my wife and I went to see it. And then I saw it a couple times after that, actually, in 3D as well. So I haven't actually seen the 2D version of it. But the first time I think – I mean I came out and my comment on Facebook, and I think this is for a lot of people, was sort of, you know, I need some time to process this. You know, this was not quite what I expected. And then going back into it a second time, knowing what was coming and being able to pay more attention to the nuances, to, pay, to sort of more – uh, analyze specific scenes and what was happening rather than it being the, hey, here's a surprise out of left field type of thing, made me appreciate it more. But I've always been drawn since The Force Awakens to the Kylo Ren character because of the psychology of him. It's part of why I liked Anakin at certain points because of the t- kind of screwed up psychology of Anakin that you could sort of read into the character. And I think with Kylo, that just became stronger with this film. And the fact they took some unexpected directions I thought was pretty impressive. Um, So there's a lot to the film that sort of speaks to me in terms of just what it is um, that I like about any type of film. And while it didn't quite feel like what I expected of a Star Wars film, I can see it fitting into the rest of the Star Wars universe and enjoy it in that respect. Just kind of wondering, though, what happens next? Regarding the fans that are sort of pulled into it and attacking, I think that you're right. It is kind of an on on both sides kind of thing. A lot of it, I think, is sort of just it's that social media culture that we're in, right? That it's all about I must affirm my opinion. Any opinion that doesn't agree is wrong. I mean, this is why uh, you have the, the evolution on college campuses of a safe space that was supposed to be about if somebody has anxiety or something like that and they start having an anxiety attack give them a place they can go where they can either get counseling or just have a place they know it's going to be quiet it's not going to be a place they're going to be challenged by others they can just kind of chill out there until they're doing better and it became as as what's what gene twangy refers to as a igen the kids born 95 to 2012 um as iGen kind of came into college campuses, it changed because they're big about emotional safety, not just physical safety. Mm-hmm. It became sort of, well, give me a place where I don't have to hear any opinions I don't agree with. And to some degree, that whole concept has sort of seeped into social media culture, probably because the reason it's called iGen is we're talking about a generation that grew up with smartphones, not just uh, the internet. So that's what separates them from millennials. Um, so in a lot of ways, what you've got here is that same sort of, not only do I want to affirm my opinion, but how dare you speak something that I disagree with. It's sort of where the microaggressions thing comes from, you know, that if somebody says something that's against something you believe or something that is unintentionally offensive, you should be able to take offense to it as a rash and strike back as a rational response because that is uh, infringing on your emotional safety and so on. It's It's an interesting psychological thing, but I think it's, we're seeing what plays out in society kind of play out here. Um, if I can pull a, a quote from a very wise individual about this very type of issue, um, 
It is a saga that brings us together. We challenge each other's views on forums and argue, hopefully with intellectual honesty, our perspectives on writers, stories, and whether person X was right for role Y in product Z. We express ourselves uh, creatively, translating our love for this fictional universe into websites, podcasts, fan films, and more. We get wrapped up in the sweeping scope and smallest minutia of Star Wars. We must remember, though, as we interact with each other, especially online, that this is primarily about entertainment. It is a hobby, an escape. Try not to take things too seriously. Even love can drive someone to take weight onto their shoulders that ought not be there. If your Star Wars fandom is causing you an excess of stress, try to take a step back. As I'm fond of saying, if your fandom is stressing you out, you're probably doing it wrong. We love Star Wars as an escape from the stresses and frustrations of everyday life. Making it a source of either would defeat the purpose and endanger the very love that draws us back to Lucas's universe every day. That is a quote from an article entitled uh, Finding Our Lack of Blind Faith Disturbing. That is the afterword of a book called A More Civilized Age, Exploring the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Uh, the wise man speaking those words was uh, me. <laughs> I called it. You should I was have like, seen that. Yes, intellectual honesty. I was like, is causing this... you stress. You're doing it wrong. That's totally. I'm like, a lot of this sounds um, like. <laughs> but I think that's. I think that's the thing. I mean, we have to be willing to step back and say this is a hobby. But a lot of us don't. I mean, mm-hmm. let's face it. For many of us, this was the defining saga of our childhood, of our fandom, of our lives. A lot of us do a lot of things built around it, and having an opinion challenged on that for some is almost like somebody coming up to you and criticizing one of your religious beliefs. You know, we just have to, we have to be willing to talk about it. But again, I think that something like the last Jedi, I mean, we can talk about, we need to be civil to each other when we're talking about something like rogue one, where some people are like, Disney sucks, you know? (laughs) And there's a lot, and there's a level, a small level of bickering about the film, but a lot of it's more like the bigger, you know, it was Disney versus, you know, pre-Disney stuff, Disney versus Lucas and that sort of thing. But to have one specific Star Wars film that is this divisive, even amongst those, I mean, there are people who were like, screw The Force Awakens, screw Disney, who got brought back by Last Jedi. Right. There are people who were brought in by The Force Awakens who now saw The Last Jedi who now say, screw Disney. Mm-hmm. To have it be one product that's like that, that's that lightning rod, I think it puts into great focus the need for that level of civility. So even even in the incivility, there is that silver lining that maybe it gets us to just just freaking talk mm-hmm. to each other like human beings. I know it's difficult when you're on the internet, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's I have a hard time thinking that fandom's not going to come out of the controversy of The Last Jedi without being eventually stronger for it. But that's just me being an optimist, possibly. Uh, I mean, the thing is, I'm, I'm seeing I'm seeing different things from it, but uh, unfortunately, some of the individuals that I see that I, I feel like are unaware that they create drama and issues and stuff, just continuing forward, you know, just plowing through and just not stopping and realizing, like, hey, maybe I should take a step back and, you know, just continuing to do their thing. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of people, I, I have noticed individuals uh, having to, to you know, try to change how they interact with people and, and, and trying to do better. And then, like I said, I, I've, I've seen the, the individuals who are the, the more problematic ones just continuing doing what they're right. doing. 
Uh, I think well, part of that I think is is that you're always going to have people who are bomb throwers, but you also have the that for some people there are just specific things that make them irrational when they're irrational most of the time. Like I've got a friend who I've worked with before, uh, spent time talking to with Star Wars stuff, very cordial guy, really nice guy almost all the time. Mention Trump's name and this guy calls for active assassination. <laughs> um, like literally, think repeatedly so on Facebook, I've been like, um, dude, what are you talking about? But on anything else, yeah, totally civil. So I think that's there are going to be some people for whom The Last Jedi is just going to be one of those topics where they're just going to – they may never reach a point where it's not a trigger for anger uh-huh. or a trigger for attacking. But even then, I still think that – I mean – it, it, it's like we always talk about, you know, with the with the games, where the people who are who are screaming the loudest aren't necessarily the majority. So, yeah, you're always going to have the people who are out there being, you know, buttheads right. about things, who are always going to be taking things to an extreme. But I think, given enough time, the majority of fans will probably settle into a, well, it wasn't the film that I liked, or yeah, this was a film I liked, well, without it being I like it you don't, so you suck and you're a terrible human being and I would never let you around my kids because you didn't like The Last Jedi. So it, I actually think it's in an, a very interesting place and a lot of this will all be determined how J.J. Uh, Abrams handles episode nine. I think that's going to be the main decider. Um, do you think Do you think a lot of his ideas for episode nine just went up in Snoke? Um, well... <laughs> up in smoke yeah i i got it i was just trying to gloss over that uh (laughs) for our younger listeners enjoy that laugh um well i mean he he did say after i think it was like maybe a day or two after um it premiered he had turned in his um his proposal or whatever for um episode nine so you think it's why trevin out quit okay so you know what that's how you say his name uh, Trevorrow. Trevorrow. I've actually seen something very interesting um, on on YouTube that I think very well could uh, could play into it because a lot of what was being said was, you know, or or at least speculated was that Trevorrow quit because he couldn't deal with how you know basically not having Carrie Fisher, but having to you know write Princess Leia. Which I thought was kind of weird. I, I thought that didn't seem quite right. Um, but basically now what's being speculated is he um, could not agree with them about the direction that Luke Skywalker took. And that he... Basically his, his problem was he didn't want to do a story with that Luke Skywalker. And where they get this stuff from is, of course, uh, Mark Hamill has been making all his comments. Um, But then also they asked him, you know, uh, had he talked to to Colin Trevorrow? And he goes, oh, yeah, you you know, uh, Trevorrow and I, you know, we talked about it. We are both on the exact same page about where Luke Skywalker should be and everything. And the fact that he continued to not say that for, um, um, for Ryan Johnson really makes him think that maybe that was where the the rub was and it very it, it may not be but it very likely could be as well like i um i would not uh, be surprised at all if that were the the one issue that they were having problems with 
Interesting. And to be fair, for Mark Hamill, he did criticize before he saw the final film altogether, after which he was like, you know what? It's a hell of a film. You know, he, he sort of went back and and he did the Mia Culpa thing like, you know what? I didn't actually have the full picture. I actually think it's pretty good. But, of course, his way of phrasing it was, was now that I've seen it, I have to say blah, 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 to which everybody's like, see, he says he has to say it. He has to say it. Oh. Disney is forcing him and well, all that Well, the, the problem is Although, that he didn't just yep. say it the one time. Um, right. And and like I said, this this isn't me saying, oh, I hated The Force Awakens. Because a lot of people are doing this. A lot of people are saying, oh, I'm Force Awakens. A lot of people are saying, I didn't like The Last Jedi, and neither did Mark Hamill. I like oh, the Mark. He was very he was very vociferous on his initial. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah, but and 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 here's the thing. Like I said, um, and he, didn't he didn't he also basically bash the Force Awakens and be like, you know, these are movies that are meant to make money. They're not meant to be good stories at all, kind of thing. And then say, you know, oh my god, I'm on tape or something. Yeah, he he said something sort of along those sit. Yeah, um, and he he really he goes, oh, he looks over and goes, oh, I just realized this is being taped. Um, yeah, that was at a, a college recorded for all you young people who don't know what a tape is. But yeah, sorry. Um, so yeah, that, that did happen as well. And, and I mean, I'm just going to say at, at this point, because he, he had seen it, he was still criticizing it after he'd seen it. Um, he, his, the whole comments about Jake Skywalker and everything, that was when, um, like that was when they were basically doing like their final little, uh, run uh, for the film as it was coming out, he had definitely seen the film at that point, and he said his his words were, you know, that he said, um, I, I, uh, something along the lines of like I, I, I disagreed, and I still do, or something along those lines, you know, where he he just didn't feel like that that was Luke Skywalker, um, so I'm, you know, I'm not gonna say, oh, he said that. But now he's changed his mind because I I just think that looking at all of that stuff and and looking at how it is I don't think that's the case I think that he's happy with the movie, um but I think that if he were in charge of of writing you know if he had more say on the characters and stuff I think he would have went a different way I think even now he wouldn't say oh you know what this was the right way I think he would say I'd still rather have it the other way and that's fine, um. He, he can feel that way. Unfortunately, like I said, a lot of people are using it to um, go against the film. My thing is, even if I was still in that initial um, in that initial camp of, you know what, I don't think I like this film, as much as I love Mark Hamill, his opinion doesn't really factor into it for me, one way or the other. Um, I love the guy. But he's not Luke Skywalker. He plays Luke Skywalker, but he's not Luke Skywalker. Um, you know, he, he didn't do the writing for the first time. He, you know, he, he acted the part and everything. So it's it's much different with him saying it versus, like, say, George Lucas saying it. And, right. you know, you're going to be in that camp one way or the other. Uh, obviously, these films aren't Lucas's films. And, uh, you know whether he's going to say, oh, you know, I love these, or, or no, that's not exactly the way I would have taken it. You know what? Go that way with it or whatever. My biggest thing is at this point, George isn't making these films. They're trying to make the films as true as possible. 
and that's where I'm going to to judge it, not based on you know what this person or that person says. And I'd agree that's the intellectually honest approach to take. Although I would say that Lucas's opinion matters just as much as Hamill's, to some degree, in that neither of them really matter. It goes back to the same thing as when they had, and I had it was the starting point of a vlog that I did that's gotten a lot of attention um, from people who follow the YouTube channel, lots of people commenting on it, which was about uh, intellectual honesty months uh-huh. and months ago when, uh, remember Samuel L. Jackson was like, was like, I think that I, that Mace Windu could still be alive. And I talked to George and George thought it was a cool idea when it's like, yeah, you can be alive or whatever, you know, when neither of them has anything to do with Star Wars right. anymore. And even when they did, Lucas had to say, and doesn't anymore. But Samuel L. Jackson's opinion on something like that means absolute jack. You yeah, know? I think it's hilarious. Um, and, I think, I, and I'm glad that we're getting those little oh, <laughs> comments yeah, it's, and it's, things. They're, but... they're fun little moments. And, it, and it's interesting watching people's heads explode and then having to explain to them, no, it actually doesn't mean anything. Right. As far um, as like, but, you know, but I think canosity or whatever. Is that a word? Did I just make up a word? What was the word? Canosity. Uh, I always say canonicity. Uh, but I don't think that that's I think that looks better typed than it does said. But I think you're you're right though. Also, I mean, just if you're letting anyone's opinion, I mean, I don't care if it's Mark Hamill or or George Lucas or my wife <laughs> or the person next door. That was really specific there. For a you moment. know, like no, well, she liked it too. Oh, fine, okay, because she's a big Kylo Ren person. Oh, okay. um, but uh, she's actually started collecting Kylo Ren alongside Yoda now, and even she agreed nice. that Yoda's cheeks looked weird. Um, but. If you're forming your opinion of whether you enjoyed something or not based on the opinion of something somebody else, you're doing it wrong. You know, that's that's not what personal opinion about whether something was enjoyable or not or or good or not. It's not where that's supposed to come from. Are we really at the point where not only do we need validation for our opinions, but we need someone to tell us what our what our opinion should be at which point? Uh, uh, what Western society completely falls apart or something? I don't know something <laughs> well, something suitably catastrophic. If I, I think we have to have that, people tell us what our opinion should be, I think that most people are are digging in to their opinion based on this. So they're able to use it as valid. They're using right. it as validation, right? So anyone who's arguing who the validation, yeah, anyone who didn't that. like it are going, see right here, boom, there you go. Um, who knows Luke Skywalker better than the guy who played him for forty years? Um, and that's, you know, whatever. But, uh, like I said, uh, my thing is, I'm like, no, that's, I, I don't think you really should base it on that. The dude's not a writer. He's not, he, he didn't actually like, yes, he helped bring it to life, but he didn't necessarily create Luke per se. Um, you know who else didn't like the last Jedi? George Lucas. No. Oh. Lao Tzu didn't like it. Muhammad didn't like it. Abraham didn't like it. So I guess if you have any regard for those people, then, well, they didn't get to see it. They didn't like it. They're not around anymore. So you're just going to have to hate Last Jedi. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I think there's a difference between not seeing it and not liking it. But um, anyhow, further, and like I said, people who are, are saying, oh, no, the, the these comments were taken out of context. Uh, some earlier ones but the the later ones no they're not you just like i said you, you've got to just say you know what it may not be for mark hamill but i liked it and that's okay 
Can I toss out another question and another sort of sort of perspective question on this? Nah. Since we kind of gone a little far afield from the story itself, um, but one of the one of the other talking points on the uh, the I need some validation to say that the movie sucks uh-huh. tends to be the well, it's not going to hit this goal that it was trying to get as far as breaking records because oh, yeah, yeah. of its opening in China. And as the econ teacher and the home video guy, I'm sitting back saying, well, no kidding, it didn't wind up meeting its target in China when you make one of the most bootleg prolific societies on the planet (laughs) the last place that gets a blockbuster movie. Pretty much everybody who was willing to pay to see it has already paid to see it. They paid a bootlegger to see it. No kidding, your theatrical returns in China if it's the last place to get it, are going to be lower than projections. It, it's really that weird. They did this with The Force Awakens choice. as well. Yeah, that, was just, that was a dumb, dumb choice. That China should have been, yeah. as big a market as it is, China should have been one of the first places to see The Last Jedi before the bootlegs could proliferate. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm curious the if there's, there's some reasoning uh, behind it. Because, I mean, I would imagine they're smart enough to to not do that unless they just had to um maybe they, maybe they didn't like the the movie poster and we're like oh you're associating red with evil and we're red china communist <laughs> what are you to say? because these days that could have been all it took i don't know but you know the thing is um if you want to talk about how well the movie did or didn't do uh it made in three days what justice league made in 31 so i Although, think it's doing okay the counter argument to that is, yeah, that's because people hadn't had a chance to find out that it sucked yet. They were only listening to the reviewers that thought it was good. Yeah, but the uh, but the point is, um, granted, nobody really thought Justice League was going to be good. So I think that that's that's, that's, <laughs> that's an unfair comparison. Well, again, the situation is: are are we talking about like it, you can look at the the reviews? It got good reviews. It's made a lot of money. That's all that really matters for the studio at that point. Um, yes, it's uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, score is, is split down the middle, but people are still going to see it. I don't like I said, I've seen it four times now. I uh, went and saw it maybe about a probably less than a week ago. Uh, actually, you know what? I know exactly how long it's been. It's It's been a little more than a week ago because it was on New Year's Day. Uh, New Year's Day, that theater was packed. So, and this was, this was, um, uh, like three o'clock. It was like middle of the day and the thing was, was packed. So, um, it's, people are still going to see this movie. It's still continuing to make money. Um, you know, it's, uh, my thing is, you know, if you don't like it, that's also fine. You know, um, if you, if you have issues with a movie, that's fine. I don't think that you should quit because like I said um, the big thing that that I said about this movie was that it really chunked out a lot of what um, uh, JJ did Um, like very specifically not not just in way of okay um, you know we did this twist or that twist it literally decided to 
start choosing like you know what I want to I want to have these characters instead. I don't care about Greg Grunberg, Grunberg or you know uh, this actor or whatever. You know they just started using like eh I'm gonna bring in these resistance people and say they've been here the whole time and I'm gonna base a story around them because I want to. Um, by that same token, come um, you know episode nine. JJ may turn around and just flip it right back and say, well, that was nice, but I get to finish this. I'm going to finish it the way I started it. You know, I think that just like with The Force Awakens, a lot of, you know, I mean, this trilogy, it's it's a trilogy. Uh, it's definitely a trilogy, and it needs to be looked at um, as a, a whole before you can make too many decisions on it. So... You know, I, I basically say to anyone, like, you know, if you're hurting right now or if you're you're frustrated or, or angry, I get it. I, I, I understand. Like I said, I was um I was there uh the first night. I even still there there's situations where I look at and I'm like, mm, this should have been diff- done differently. I, I don't necessarily agree with this or whatever, you know, a- along the lines, but I can still step back and enjoy the film. Um but like I said go see the episode nine, go check it out and, and, and see, and then, you know, maybe revisit all the films and, and, you know, move on from there. Um, there were lots of people who didn't like the prequels, had issues with the prequels and, you know, had to kind of move on from there. So it ain't the end of star Wars. And I guess I would say, uh, if I had some final thoughts on this topic, would be uh, when discussing it, at least be intellectually honest, right? Keep it a fair discussion and talk about things on the merits rather than just you have a different opinion than me, so therefore you are evil. I must destroy you kind of stuff. Just have civil conversation. It's intellectually honest about it, and you'll be fine. Don't be a jerk. And uh, hey, it's going to be the first Star Wars film, it looks like, that we're going to get in 4K on Ultra HD Blu-ray, so uh, I'm pretty stoked for that. Although it does look like we won't be seeing 3D probably in the U.S., but thankfully I'll be getting the one from the U.K. <laughs> anyway, and they nice. better not region lock that sucker. So so home video fans, we get to have fun here in about three to four months all over again, just in time for that marketing blitz for Solo to also drain your wallets. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and we'll definitely have to talk about that. Like I said, I think um, we're going to have to sit here and talk about uh, how soon we can get our next episode out because I, I think there's plenty more to uh, to discuss. It's just, you know, we're starting to kind of creep along on this one and, uh, you know, there, there's still plenty more to, to cover. But, uh, yeah, I'm solo is, is definitely something I think that – um, you know, and honestly, next episode, which of course, fantasy flight may be like, Nope, you're talking about this. But, uh, um, typically they wait until after we're done recording. So who knows? But, um, I, th- I think we should, I know. did they, did they think we recorded the other day? Is that why they dropped <laughs> the news about the LCG? <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, wait a second. Maybe they thought we just ended the show because you were gone for so long. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that was the case. But, um, yeah, I, I think that, um, some, talk on solo would be very interesting i know it's not uh video games but of course we expect to see something with at least battlefront tying in um but i I think that that situation is um 
you know, it's it's interesting and except for the part of talking about they're doing reshoots. Of course they are. They're scheduled reshoots. Shut up. Um, <laughs> that's a non-topic. Well, um, so rumor has it that we'll have a trailer soon that we can talk about. But of course, rumor always has it that we've got a trailer. Coming that that is true. Trailer. That is true. Um, so I have no idea what's going on with that. But yeah, let's let's cover that and let's uh, cover the, in my opinion, very awesome um, campaign DLC on our next episode. Sounds good. All right. But and maybe uh, at some point Fantasy Vital will cancel another game or something. And <laughs> we can make that announcement. And that it'll be so much faster to cover everything and then keep canceling things. We need to you know what we need to do is um an episode which unfortunately it it's not worked out with timing, but we just need to do a, a cancelled episode where we just talk about all the cancelled Star Wars games like with in the past two, three Dark years. Dark Mall game and <laughs> first assault and Yeah. yeah. Or just even stuff um, like recently, like Disney Infinity, and um, that wasn't canceled. I mean, that was just a product line that ended. Okay, I'm sorry, not canceled, happening. but uh, yeah, ended then. Ended. Um, yeah. Completed. It there reached you go. its completion. <laughs> oh, it's, it's like kind freaking of... Dark Horse talking about the satisfactory conclusions when they cut comic series short. We know your corporate BS. <laughs> right. Right. So anyhow, that's going to be it for this episode of Cloud City Casino. Uh, I'm sure there's got to be plenty from this episode that people want to talk to us about. So reach us over, uh, send us an email, cloudcitycasino at gmail.com. Uh, or you can just tweet us at Cloud City Casino. Uh, head over. We have a Facebook page. Uh, go like that. Uh, it's just Cloud City Casino over there. And, of course, we have our website, uh, StarWarsReport.com. You can find us over there. Um, we are also on so many podcatchers. I know I'm going to miss one, but I'll try here. Uh, you can find us on um, iTunes. Go over there. Leave us a review. We haven't gotten a review in a while. We would certainly appreciate one. We will read it here. We'll call you out. Um, I'll, I'll keep mentioning that uh, Nate owes you a uh, link to purchase his book. He'll moan about that. It'll be hilarious. Um, so go yeah, because it's that. hilarious every other time. <laughs> it's always so funny. He thinks my uh, joke earlier was so for kids. Good. Um, but uh, also, you know, if you don't have iTunes, you can... Uh, Pick us up on uh, TuneIn, uh, Stitcher. We are on the uh, Star Wars podcast app over on the Google Play Store. There's some others, and I know I'm forgetting them, and I can't think of them right now. I know um, we're on uh, Jedi News, and then also I think uh, Tracks now. I, I need to double-check all of that, but uh, I'm almost positive that you can find us over in, in those places as well. So we're like all over the place. There's no reason you can't find us. Just Google cloud city casino or I was about to say, all you need to do is just Google cloud city casino. You'll find it. Or okay. Nathan P Butler. Probably but make not sure me. the P is in there or it's going to confuse you because of Jerry soul, the star Trek writer who went by Nathan Butler, which is why I got to use the P for everything. And that's just too much information for you. Sorry. <laughs> it's all you got to pee. Um, Oh, now we're now the kids are getting the humor. Now we're, now we're back to that Phantom Menace humor right there. All right. Oh, Misa. Which one of us is going to walk in the poop, and, and and which one of us is going to wind up getting kicked in the nads? All I can say is Misa back. And I'll also say thanks for joining us again, scoundrels. And always remember, let the Wookie win. Oh.
especially if he paid extra for it. I mean, what's the point of pay to win? You already did that joke. You did that last time. Okay, fine. (laughs) Then, uh, uh, let's see. Let's let's the Wookiee win. Okay, okay. Because Mark Hamill said he should. (laughs) Mark Hamill said... Because <laughs> Mark Hamill said that he was not the uh, the Wookiee that he felt was there. I don't know. I can't. I got nothing on that. But it's good concept execution. It's okay. Though, I wonder if Mark Hamill liked Tally. <laughs> Tally's cool. I'm telling you, Tally's cool. Tally is something you do when you're counting. This party's over.